1: We are back and better than ever, and welcome on this Thursday, October 6th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a fabulous day as we count down. Gosh, we've got NFL football tonight, Denver and Indianapolis. I don't care what you think about that. Tomorrow, we've got wild card Major League Baseball playoff games, high school football, and then we've got college football on Saturday The NFL takes over on Sunday and Monday. It's just a great time of the year. I hope you're going to enjoy it. What a beautiful Chamber of Commerce day we have today. And we've got uh, all kind of things to talk about and all kind of people to talk about it with my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios right there on the campus of Delta Media as he spins the tunes and pushes all the buttons. Now, Delta Media houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be near a TV set in the Acadiana area, we'll pop it on because we are simulcast on Stadium and 133 on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: Well, we center our attention as we look ahead to this Saturday's big 11 a.m. contest between 25th-ranked LSU and 8th-ranked Tennessee. Tennessee with that high-powered offense, LSU with a defense that um, that has stiffened up. It seems to make adjustments throughout the course of the game, and they have uh, locked down Mississippi State in the second half, locked down Auburn in the second half. But can LSU's offense get going? Because Tennessee's weakness is their pass defense, and they give up a lot of yardage. Tennessee's given up more than 300 yards per game through the air heading in. After, uh, before the bye week, Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson threw for 453 yards and two touchdowns. His first two touchdown passes of the season. Utah, Kentucky, South Carolina. Richardson didn't throw the ball very. He only threw for 423 combined. So in one game, he threw for more than he had in three other games combined. Can LSU's offense, can the passing game get going? And just to, as a point of reference, I, I would think everybody would venture to say that the greatest quarterback in LSU football history was Joe Burrow. That 2019 season was unbelievable. But remember, go back a year before that, in 2018, his first season, his first game out of the blocks against Miami, 11 of 24, 46% For 140 yards. Week two against an FCS Southeastern Louisiana Lions team. 10 of 20. 50%. 151 yards. Against Auburn the following week. His first SEC matchup. 15 of 34. 44%. This is the great Joe Burrow. He threw for 249 yards uh, in that one. But. 44% completion against Louisiana tech 16 of 28, his best percentage at the time, 57% for 191. It takes time for a quarterback and the receivers to get on the same page to understand each other's nuances. A quarterback wants to be able to throw it, knowing that the receiver is going to be there. When you start off, you got to build that quote, trust that has been bandied about here all week long with that uh meeting between the quarterback and the wide receivers there they had their little one-on-one meeting and um you know a players only meeting and everyone says we've got to trust each other better got to trust the quarterback to make the pass and he's got to trust the receivers to make the catch and that was what that meeting was all about and that's what that meeting according to those that were there accomplished just trusting each other more so you're going to see more 50 50 balls thrown out there and we're going to see if lsu's receivers can go up and go get it because that will be So pivotal. How does this LSU offense keep the ball, keep it away from Tennessee, eat up some clock, and take advantage that way? Taking shots is important for several reasons. Um, LSU is going to go up against a defensive front that rotates 12 different players in and out, and it's holding opponents to under – 100 yards rushing per contest and as i said the other reason pretty darn simple tennessee's given up more than 300 yards per game through the air heading in you got to have a mixture you got to have a balance but lsu gonna have to throw the football down the field plain and simple plain and simple um uh, our guest list today, Michael Huguenin, will join us in hour number one since yesterday. Hump Day with Huguenin uh, was kind of preempted because of um, uh, the Astros and their regular season finale. As now we get ready for playoff baseball starting tomorrow. My Redbirds are in it, baby. Yes, indeed. Uh, and the Fal- uh, Falcons, the the Braves we're in second place for what seemed like all season long till the end when it counted. And they nipped the New York Mets at the wire. And um, so they get the number one seed in the, in the East. And um, so the matchups, they look like this in the wild card tomorrow. The Cardinals host the Phillies, the guardians host the Rays, the Mets host the Padres And the Blue Jays host the Mariners. So there's a four-game slate uh, tomorrow. uh, And the wild cards are the best two out of three. And then we'll get from there. So um, it's going to be – I love baseball time. I love playoff baseball. It is absolutely the best. I don't know if there's any question about that. Um, So we'll see. The Astros and the Yankees have an opening series by in the National League, the Dodgers and the Braves have the opening series by in the National League. So, we'll see who survives and advances in Major League Baseball. All right, uh time to face your worst nightmares with the game's 13th gate giveaway. We have your VIP tickets for the legendary haunted house attraction, that way you can scream over and over again while others have to wait in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today to win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I guess my whole point in talking about Joe Burrow, and I'm not saying Jaden Daniels is going to be Joe Burrow, because the following season... Joe Burrow threw for like 60 touchdown passes. It was absolutely uh, mind-boggling what he did in that 2019 season, the greatest individual season of any quarterback ever in the history of LSU and the greatest season, many will say, including yours truly, the greatest season a team had in college football. That offense was just ridiculous. They got pro players across the board. Tennessee doesn't have that. They don't. They just don't. So does LSU have a boxer's chance in this thing? More so than a boxer's chance. The fact that it's at 11 o'clock, who cares? It is what it is. So does Tennessee has to play in it as well. Fact that it's a sellout, that tells me that LSU fans are going to be ready. Remember, LSU is, I looked up this stat, and I'm going to pull it up and find it for you right here, right now. Since 2000, LSU is 8.0 and O in 11 a.m. games in Death Valley. And in those eight games, LSU was averaging averaged 41.25 points per game. 8-0 at 11 o'clock. So I don't know why everybody's complaining about it. Players want to get up and get going. There's going to be adrenaline. There's <laughs> going to be a beautiful day. And um, the fans are going to be juiced and ready to go and that's a big 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 factor. big factor. So, only it's the first SEC road game for Tennessee. Yes, they did go to Pitt and played there and won in overtime. Big difference being on the road. And Pitt is nowhere near what Tiger Stadium's going to be. I don't care if it's dusk, dawn, night, it doesn't matter. Tiger Stadium will deliver and the LSU fans will deliver. And we'll see what happens in this one. Oh, by the way, in baseball news, LSU officially opens its fall practice today. Um, In fact, uh, here shortly, Uh, they'll hold 3 intersquad scrimmages this weekend, beginning today at 4 p.m. They'll scrimmage at 4 p.m. Friday and 1 p.m. on Sunday. Admission and parking are free. Everyone is welcome. LSU's home exhibition game versus McNeese is at 12 p.m. on Sunday, November 6th, and the annual Purple-Gold series is November 18th through the 20th. So there you go. All right. Michael Huguenin will join us here shortly. Al Salas in our number two, talking New Orleans Saints, and Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports at around uh, 3.30 this afternoon will give us his week five NFL picks. A lot of big point spreads this week. And I know how Frank feels about that. Uh, doesn't like giving that many points in the NFL. So we'll get all of that underway here after our first timeout here on the Jordy Helfer Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana
0: uh-oh do you know what day it is huh? anybody it's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of on3.com Mike 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 what day is it Mike here is hump day with Huguenin Woo-hoo! on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles southwest Louisiana's sports station
1: it's hump day plus one on this Thursday, October 6th, as we uh, recap the biggest um, headlines of week five and look ahead to some of the premier matchups in week six, which if you had told me TCU-Kansas would be maybe one of, one of, if not the biggest game of the week, I would have laughed at you, but it is what it is. Mike, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Looking forward to, uh, yeah,
2: this should be, I I think there's a a bunch of interesting games. Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Let's let's look back. We'll we'll do that. We're we're thankful we're going to get two segments out of Mike. In this segment, let's talk about what was. Um, Did the SEC find uh, a little crack in the armor of Georgia? I mean, they looked utterly unbeatable all season. They trailed Missouri the entire game. They fell behind as many as 13. They scored the eventual game-winning touchdown with just over four minutes to play. Is there a chink in Georgia's armor?
2: I'm not sure one game can tell you that. I I think they played abysmal football for 45 minutes and still won. Uh, Abysmal, because Mizzou is not very good. So um, the fact that they played basically one good quarter of football and still won uh, that's that's impressive to me that the obviously the, the negative is that they played three quarters of it was right. they were abysmal they got beat up along the line of scrimmage and that's the i think the interesting aspect of this that Missouri's line – um, more than held their own with Georges, and that wasn't supposed to be the case. And obviously, Georges got tougher competition to come. But I also right. think that you play college basketball, you're dealing with 18, 19, 20 year old That's guys.
1: Right. Can't get up and all the time. They don't always focus. That's right. And,
2: you know, I think Sabin is, is famous for, you know, rallying the troops after a narrow win, and he, you know, then he rails against the media for feeding his players. Uh, a line of stuff, and, and my presumption is this week at practice, Kirby Smart's had more than enough teaching points uh, from last week's game. But, um, you know, if they come out this week and play badly against Auburn, then I think your okay. Georgia may have peaked already but I don't think they're going to play badly against Auburn. I think they're going to crush right. Auburn, and I think that's going to be Brian Harson's last game. But right. uh, Georgia did not play well, but still won. I think still that's the thing,
1: you're,
3: you you're a
2: door, door the thing you take away from that.
1: Another thing that I took away was uh, whatever Clemson did defensively against Wake Forest where they gave up about 450 yards and 45 points. They – they did just the opposite. They shut down Devin Leary and NC State in a thirty to twenty win. Clemson looked Clemson like in
3: that game.
2: Yeah, and I think part of that, you you can see the difference in the play calling at Wake Forest and at NC State. At yeah. Wake Forest, they, they got the freak, the freakish mesh point offense, which caused Clemson a lot of problems. Plus their Warren Ruggiero is a vastly better play caller than Tim Beck. Um I, I was Watching that game with my wife, who doesn't like either Clemson or NC State, Right.
3: at
2: one point though she turned to me and said, "Why does NC State throw so many screens?" And yeah, you're right. And it's <laughs> Clemson knew they were coming because they do they do nothing to disguise them. And maybe right. throwing screens works against the Virginias and Dukes and Boston colleges of the world. It doesn't work against against good defenses. So um, I. I I think Devin Leary's good quarterback. If you watched last week, you saw a couple of good throws, but you also saw a guy really struggling, and I think part of that's on his offensive
1: coordinator. Mike on and On3.com. Everybody talks about Lane Kiffin and his high-powered offense. Well, they run the ball like crazy, and their defense rose to the occasion as they beat number 7 Kentucky 22-19 in Oxford. I think Ole Miss is legit. Do you?
2: I'm still not. I, they have to throw the ball better when they play better teams. Um, okay. Kentucky was was missing some players. Um, I know they got Chris Rodriguez back. Um, UK's got one good receiver, uh, the the Robinson kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Levis has all the physical tools. Uh, I, I still, he's not even the best quarterback in his own division. Um, I get the fact that he's a big time NFL prospect, but if. Hendon Hooker is a better college quarterback than Will Levis. Um, And Kentucky, they didn't put, I didn't think, that much stress on the Ole Miss defense. Um, Kentucky's defense played well enough to win. And, again, I think Ole Miss's defense is is good, but I still wonder about the Ole Miss passing attack and to beat the better teams on the Ole Miss schedule. They're going to have to throw the ball better
1: um Alabama uh in Arkansas they they started out great they were up 14 zip then we have the Bryce Young injury uh, Nick Saban turns to the running game Jalen Milrow comes in at quarterback he had 91 yards on the ground Jameer Gibbs had a 72 yard touchdown run um what is the status you think of Bryce Young and without him What do you think Alabama does against Texas A&M this weekend?
2: Uh, Even without Bryce Young, they can beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M offense is not good. And Alabama leads the nation in yards per play defense. Um, I think the issue in that game, if you're A&M, can can we score two touchdowns? Uh, They're going to have to manufacture some offense somehow. Anaya Smith being out really hampers that offense in a big way. And that's the alarming thing to me about Texas A&M. They have two playmakers on offense, two. Yeah. Um, You know, come on here. You you, you need some, you know, yes, you got to have, you need some complimentary guys who can make big plays when they get a chance. I don't think A&M's got those guys. They got Mm Anaya Smith, who's out for the year, and Devin Achain, who's really good. But if you limit him, nobody else in that roster scales you. I know Evan Stewart's got a ton of talent and a ton of potential. He's not there yet. Um, the the Bryce Young injury, I mean, Alabama had the tw- – they led 28-0, and then they let Arkansas back in the game. And then, as you pointed out, Jameer Gibbs had two 70-yard touchdown runs in the fourth yeah. quarter.
4: Um,
2: Alabama showed some problems last week as well. Uh, if, but going forward, I think the, the main takeaway from that game is if – Bryce Young is not 100% healthy. Alabama is not a national title team because the offense becomes way, way too predicated on the run. And you yeah. can't be that one-dimensional. Because I'm not sure how effectively Melrose can throw the ball against top-flight defenses. Arkansas is not a top-flight defense.
1: Mike Hugan on 3.com. Boy, Ohio State has an embarrassment of riches. Um Forty-nine to ten, they drubbed Rutgers. She uh, whiz They got a little bit of everything, don't they? Yeah, Myon
2: Williams, the, the the backup running back, sc- scored five touchdowns. Jeez, and Anderson's Henderson's not even missed. And that's what you know. Big teams, high level teams, stack big time players, and that's an example. Now, Rutgers is not very good, but still, um, Ohio State took care of business and. Is is Rutgers, to me, is as good as Missouri. And Missouri made Georgia sweat. Uh, I'm not sure Ohio State players even worked up a sweat. So that's the difference there. I mean, Ohio State took care of business like they're supposed to. Georgia did not. And Ohio State has a lot of weapons. And the the big thing to me is the best receiver in the nation is Jackson Smith-Najigba. I think he's played half of one game. Wow. And
1: they uh, haven't missed a beat <laughs> gee mike hugan and on3.com uh before we get to your thoughts on lSU Auburn uh, man Ohio uh Oklahoma State made enough of those big plays in the second half and they got a huge uh 36-25 conference victory against Baylor that that exacted some revenge I thought that that was one of the best best wins of the weekend
2: yeah, Oklahoma State lost the, They lost to the Baylor last year in the Big 12 title game to Spencer Sanders through four picks. Um, but this, I thought going into this season, Oklahoma State was the best team in the Big 12. Um, and as of right now, I think they definitely are the best team in the Big 12. That was an impressive win. Um, they looked really good for two-and-a-half quarters and had a lull and then, and then hit the gas again, and, and they won by 11. Uh, and then you look at their cross-state rival – Oklahoma, which just got obliterated by TCU. Um, You know, the Oklahoma defense, a lot of people, you know, when when Alex Grinch was the defensive coordinator and left with Lincoln Riley, Oh, who cares? He's horrible. Look at the Oklahoma defense under Grinch. Well, look at the Oklahoma defense under Venables. The players aren't that good, and yes, they were recruited by Alex Grinch. But I think there's some issues structurally there on defense that have to be fixed, uh, and they have to be fixed relatively quickly because that kind of defense is going to get you beat no matter what league you're in. It's going to also get you beat in the SEC. Um, TCU made gigantic big plays. Um, Massive coverage bust for Oklahoma. Uh, Max Duggan looked like Kyler Murray out there. So, um, And TCU has made tremendous strides under Sonny Dykes. I think the changing regimes made everybody at TCU play a little bit more relaxed. We have a story today on Max Duggan. Ivan Mm -hmm. Neville did it, talked to Dykes and Duggan, and there's a different kind of vibe around the program. And, you know, if you watch Dykes on the sideline versus what you saw with Gary Patterson, (laughs) it's a little more laid back. Yeah. And I think that has sort of permeated the team now. They're a little bit more laid back, playing with more fun, and playing looser. And, man, yeah. they played so loose last week, and they just blew God. Oklahoma's doors off.
1: God, they had over 600 and like 670 yards of of total offense, and they blew them out 55 to 24. Meanwhile, we had another coaching casualty as Brett Bielema and the Fighting alumni went to Camp Randall, um, and uh, won in Madison for the first time since 2002. Beat Wisconsin 34 to 10. And Paul Crist exit stage left, but $11 million in the pocket.
2: Yeah. And the two coaches fired last week called Dorella, Colorado. No one's surprised. Paul right. Crist, everybody's surprised. And yeah. he has had success there. Um, one three Big Ten West titles. But you look at ever since the start of the 2020 season, and granted, that was a freakish season because of COVID. But from the start of that season, Wisconsin has been an average Big Ten West team. And when you're an average Big Ten West team, that's, that's you're not very good. And yeah. the fact that Illinois took them to the woodshed in yeah. Madison playing the kind of ball that Wisconsin wants to play. And Illinois did it better. And if, if there's a lot of infrastructure issues at Wisconsin, um, the recruiting is not what it needed to be the last uh, probably 18 to 24 months. Um, the recruiting, they, 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 I don't think Chris put enough emphasis on recruiting, given the way that recruiting has changed because of NIL. You can't recruit the same way you did eight years ago. And I think he tried to do that. His offense is beyond stale. Um, again, Illinois beat the fire out of him, as my grandmother would have said. I mean, that was yeah. that was
3: it was, was
2: one sided. And Wisconsin yeah. in the second half, they looked totally disinterested in being on the field. And Illinois again, they won easily. And is is that an elite job? No, but okay. it, it's a good job. Um, it's in the Big Ten. There's hundreds of million dollars around there. So Jim Leonard, defensive coordinator, extremely well thought of by not only his college peers, but NFL coaches that teams he have come out to be an NFL D.C. I think this is sort of the, the next seven games are sort of an audition. And unless he falls flat on his face, I think he's going to get the head coaching job if he wants it.
1: Hmm. All right. Mike Hugan and On3.com. That was the week that was. We'll take a timeout here when we come back. We'll take a look at the week ahead with some big, big matchups, including Tennessee at LSU. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. We'll be right back.
0: Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holtberg Show. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your haul for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
1: Uh-huh. We continue with Mike Hugan and On3.com on this Thursday, October 6th. As we look ahead to this weekend's matchups, TCU was picked to finish 7th, Mike, in the Big 12 preseason media poll. Kansas was picked to finish 10th. So it just makes perfect sense that both teams are undefeated, headed into their matchup Saturday with college game day, headed to Lawrence, Kansas for football, not basketball, for the first time. Number 17, TCU at number 19, Kansas. What do you think?
2: Yeah, this is this is sort of amazing. This is, I would argue, one of the top three games of the weekend, unquestionably. Not only the the coolness factor, Oh, my God, Kansas is unbeaten. But yeah. the importance factor in the Big 12 race, you know, we, we went out there last week, um, and it, it's mind-blowing. You know, they're, they're setting records for concession sales. They're setting records for paraphernalia sale at games. I mean, it's this is what college football is about now. Kansas is not going to go unbeaten. They have so many flaws. But I think if you look at TCU and Kansas, you also see programs that – made coaching changes, and they got the right coaches, it appears. And, that's you know, there are good coaches everywhere. They, they You know, TCU hires from SMU. Kansas hires from Buffalo. And the coaches have done a phenomenal job of instilling uh, a lot of different things while they're there on the field and off the field. But, to me, TCU's offense is playing at an extremely high level. Um, this will be by far the best team Kansas has seen. I think Kansas' sort of fairy tale slash storybook start to the season ends, but still, I mean, you look at who they have to play. This is a Kansas team that can win eight or nine games. And if you had told someone that before the season, they would have said, you know nothing about college football, go away. But it's, that's what it, it, it is, a, a fantastic story, Lance Leopold, uh, and, and what Kansas has done thus far.
1: Amazing. Um, here's another one. Number eleven Utah at number eighteen UCLA. Who thought UCLA would be five and zero at this time of the year? The first time since 2013 that they were in that kind of place. Old Chip Kelly's got him going with Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback. Who do you like in this one?
2: Yeah, he's got a, a really good quarterback who's extremely well versed in his offense. And he's got the good running back, Zach Charbonnet, who's a former Michigan guy. This is his second year. He knows the offense inside and out as well. And they hit the transfer portal hard. They brought in, I think it was 13 guys, uh, a bunch on defense. They got a new defensive coordinator. And UCLA is playing a more physical brain of football on both sides of the ball. All that said, I think Utah's better. Um, they lost the first game to Florida. You look back and that's somewhat mystifying. Yeah. Uh, but Utah Cam Rising um, is a good quarterback. He's an L.A. area native. So um, I'm sure he's looking forward to playing against UCLA. Tavion Thomas, the running back, has not played well, and yet he ran for 160 and four touchdowns against UCLA last year. So uh, I, I think Utah is a better team, but this is a big-time game in the, in the Pac-12. And if you look at the Pac-12, Utah, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, uh, and, and USC, those, those are pretty solid squads. Uh, and Arizona has made phenomenal strides this year. Washington State and Oregon State can play. Um, and I know Georgia beat Oregon badly the first week of the season, but I think Bo Nix has his legs under him. Mean, he's actually played two good games in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the UCLA Utah game, I think, is is gigantic, frankly, in the Pac 12 race.
1: Mike Hegan and on 3.com. For the first time since 1998, Texas and Oklahoma are heading into the Cotton Bowl and the Red River rivalry unranked. Uh, Texas gets their quarterback viewers back. Oklahoma's been gashed defensively. But in these kind of matchups, there's no guarantees, right? It's just, it's just a, this is a rivalry. So, right, and I, like the I, Longhorns I, I or the Sooners?
2: He's in today. said he thinks Oklahoma will play Dylan Gabriel. You know, who knows? Uh, presumably he's in concussion protocol. And that's obviously a, a different kind of scenario, with a you know, an ankle injury or a shoulder injury. So, But Ewers is back. I think that's a gigantic positive for Texas. And, you know, you, you look at Oklahoma's defense, and, yeah, they've played poorly on the, uh, the last two weeks. Teams have run all over them. So even with viewers back, if I'm Bijan Robinson, I'm thinking, I'm running for 150, and his backup's Roshon Johnson. He's probably thinking, I'm running for 75. So oh, yeah. to me, this one, if I'm Texas, man, I'm letting the big horses run. And I think that Texas, given how badly Oklahoma's defense has played, I don't know how you turn that around in one week. Yes, you do get extra spice for a rivalry game, but I think Texas right now is playing better football. So I will say if Dylan Gabriel plays and is healthy, this could be like a 45-42 kind
3: of game. Uh,
1: that's, God, I love it. Uh, Mississippi State uh, took care of business last week against Texas A&M. Arkansas battled back but fell by 23 to Alabama. Now the Hogs go to Starkville for this SEC matchup. Um, Arkansas going in the opposite direction. Mississippi State, since losing to LSU, going in the right direction. What do you? Who do you like in this one?
2: Yeah, I think if you're Arkansas, you're worried about letting Alabama beat you twice. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody truly thought Alabama was going to lose to Arkansas, but Arkansas <laughs> did make it interesting for a while. Now Arkansas has got to, you know, get back on track and and, and go to Starkville. No one likes playing Starkville. Um, that is a difficult offense to defend because you have to be so assignment-based. No freelancing, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I think Arkansas mm-hmm. is the better team. Though I will say that if KJ Jefferson's not 100%, um, th- this game s- swings, I think, in, in, in Mississippi State's way. Um, Raheem Sanders needs to be huge for, for Arkansas, and Arkansas secondary has to play at an extremely high level. I think Arkansas wins this game. Um, but wow. this is a wow. lot more intriguing um, than perhaps it was a few weeks ago because I think if you're both these teams, neither one's winning the big the, the SEC West, but right. they, there's still the potential for a quote-unquote good bowl game. Right, you lose this game, and those chances start to start fade away.
1: All right, this was supposed to be the big game of the year after their war of words during the offseason. Texas A&M has struggled offensively. Alabama, uh, both starting quarterbacks. Bryce Young of A- of Alabama, Texas A&M's Max Johnson, the former Tiger, are considered day-to-day as they deal with injury. So I guess if you got to go with backup quarterbacks, who's the better backup quarterback? Well, I think Al-
2: Alabama's the better team, so I, I would yeah. give Milrow the – the the nod there because Haynes King has not played all that all right. well. And yeah, before the season this was this was dull. This will be the best SEC game of the year. Yeah. Now it's not even the best SEC game this week. In fact I think it's the third best SEC game this week. Yeah. Uh and that's only because of the off season war of words. Um ms offense is bad. Um and it, it Jimbo Fisher deservedly is getting some heat for that. Um, you know, I I get the fact that Max Johnson's a transfer quarterback, but Haynes Kings in his third year in the program, um, he does not look well-versed in the offense. Um, he looks like he's just learning the offense. And again, they have two playmakers and one's out. How can you be this far along in your tenure and be that devoid of true playmakers on offense, difference makers, um, and the, the the offensive line has not been as good as expected. The defense has looked good for the most part, but I'll be honest. If Alabama, I would not be surprised if if, if Milrose plays. Um, I'm thinking Alabama could run for 300 yards. Um, you saw Gibbs last week. That's the Gibbs I thought I would see
3: yep, from the yep. beginning
2: of the season. Uh, Milrose is a fast, physical runner, um, yes, he and he is. adds a different dimension and. The Alabama passing attack has been a disappointment anyway. So um, I, I'm not sure A&M can score two touchdowns. So I think this game is going to be quite ugly. And I'm sure CBS right now was thinking, we got this game at night? Yep. Um, yep. Oh, my. But uh, people are going to tune in because it's Alabama. And right. the, the war of words between Saban and Fisher in the offseason. And I'm sure Saban remembers that. And I'm sure Alabama players remember last year losing to A&M. So I think Alabama is going to come out and Saban's been a little bit pissy this week. I hope I can say that mm-hmm. on the radio. So say I think that adds a little extra to this. So I think Alabama is going to be extremely ready to play, which is bad news for Texas A&M.
1: He's Mike Hugan and on com. I think it's safe to say the best game in the sec is number eight, Tennessee at okay. number twi- 25 LSU. It's a, uh, 11 o'clock central time kickoff in Tiger Stadium. It's a complete sellout. Tennessee's got a great offense. LSU, after that disappointing opening loss to Florida State, has gotten better and better. I think they took a little bit of a step back against Auburn, but they figured out a way to, on the road after being down 17-zip to shut Auburn off and get the win. So a win is a win. What What are your thoughts when you look at this matchup? Yeah, the
2: resilience of LSU. That is, I mean, you know, they played abysmal football for the most part in the opener. Still, almost pulled it out. And if it goes OT, I think LSU would have won. And yeah. you're right. Last week they looked. Are you? I was watching and thinking, Are you kidding me? What, what, Auburn's not good. What is LSU yeah. doing? And then yeah. they woke up and, and then they sort of yeah they went, they got a, got the nice win. Um, and I think Tennessee's lucky this is not a night game because it's obviously much tougher to play at Tiger Stadium at night. Um, Uh Tennessee's defense is vulnerable at a lot of spots. Um, How healthy is Jalen Daniels? Um, How willing are the LSU coaches to run Jalen Daniels? Because I think he can do a ton of damage with his legs.
4: Uh
2: Um, LSU needs one running back. I don't know who it's going to be. They need one running back to step up and make some big plays. I think the receiving core – I mean, Florida hosted the Tennessee secondary. So LSU's got better receivers. I don't think Daniels' arm is as strong as as Anthony Richardson's, Um, but I think that they can do some damage to the Tennessee secondary for sure. The flip side, Hendon Hooker is really good. Um, Cedric Tillman is really good. And the Tennessee running backs are a nice group. So I think both defenses are going to have a difficult day. Now, I know the LSU secondary played well against Mississippi State. This is not the same kind of passing offense. Um, Heupel, if he could, would throw deep on every single play. So it's one thing to play against Mississippi State, play the soft zone, keep everything in front of you. Mm -hmm. That's a heck of a lot harder to do against Tennessee. So um, I, I think Tennessee is going to win. If this were a night game, I'd be picking LSU. Because I think Tennessee is a flawed team defensively, and I think Jalen Daniels can do a ton of damage if he's close to being 100. percent But I think the combination of him not being 100, percent this being a day game, Tennessee gets a slight advantage.
1: I'm gonna read a stat to you now, Mike. Not that stat, you know. My coach always said stats are for losers. But but here's a stat: since 2000, in 11 a.m. games in Tiger Stadium. LSU is 8-0 and oh, and averaging nearly 42 points per game. So I'm just saying, everybody yeah, talks have, about the night and you, the day. Eh, things are sell-out. They're going to be drinking. They're going to be loud they're gonna be as loud. can be. They're I promise be, yeah. you. And
2: Of those eight wins, are any of them against top 10 teams?
1: I'd have to look that up. Okay. Of course, I mean, and of this course is, there's going to be a again, couple I, of them.
2: I would not be shocked at all if, if, if LSU wins because I think Tennessee's defense – Again, Florida shredded them. Florida had had a chance to win the game on the final play even though that game was in Knoxville. So it's not like Tennessee is this perfect team. And another thing about Tennessee, they they go so fast. They also, if if you're physical against their defense, the fact that their offense goes fast can be used against them because sometimes they'll go three and out and take 37 seconds and their defense is back on the field. So that's why I think that, l s u needs a running back, whether it's mm-hmm. Emory kane or Goodwin to step up and make some big plays you know break off some eighteen yard runs break off some seven yard runs on first down so yeah. you can do some different things on second down so um I think Daniels will play well i think and I think the key for l s u is a running back coming up big. All right,
1: that's uh, fair enough Did I miss a game that you that you wanted to talk about
2: well <laughs> just from a a standpoint of, oh, my God, uh, Iowa-Illinois, um, first one to ten wins. Um, <laughs> Iowa's offense, it, it's, it's to the point now, Iowa had 289 yards of offense last week. 289. Wow. And Kirk Ferentz was talking about how they showed offensive improvement. <laughs> and, I mean, if you're a college football fan and your team gets 289 yards and your coach is somewhat happy about it, um that's 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 just not good um yeah. and fsu nc state um you know fsu two weeks ago unbeaten they lost the wake last week they got nc state this week and they got clemson next week so okay. you know i live in florida oh mike norville's doing a great job well let's see what happens if they go from 40 to four three.
1: that's right all right mike hugan and enjoy uh this week of college football it's uh Got some really good games, buddy. Thank you You're so much. All right. Talk to you next week, man. Appreciate it. You Thanks. got it. Mike Huguenin on 3com
0: who are ready. We're set. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holbert Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, the Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest, where the public is the judge. And of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. Boy, that sounds like the place to be. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October 29th, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 337 331 three five two or visit the town of grand coteau's facebook page man does that sound yum e all right coming up our number two we'll talk nfl football al salas will join us talk about the saints and what they have to do but they got to get a win against seattle sunday they got to get a win one and four is not good Two and three looks a whole lot better. You're right there in the thick of it. And then Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will give us his um, week five NFL picks, including Indianapolis at Denver tonight, Thursday night football. Our number two straight ahead, the Jordy Helper Show of the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the playoff bound Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
0: Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg.
1: It's hour number two of two as we count down to Saturday and the big matchup between the Tennessee Volunteers and the LSU Tigers. If you missed our number one, we talked extensively with Mike Huganen from on3.com, and um, I think it's going to be a very close game. He picked Tennessee to win it only because of the Fact that it's an eleven o'clock game. I went and told them LSU is eight and zero since the year two thousand in eleven a.m. games. Now, not all of them were against top twenty-five or top ten ranked teams, obviously. uh But LSU's defense getting better and better and better, um and we will see what happens. It's going to be a titanic match. It's going to be a f- an incredible atmosphere, even though it's an eleven o'clock game. I'm telling you, it's going to be spec spectacular. Um, We talked with Mike about that. Um, Coming up in this hour, Al Salas will join us as we talk about uh, the New Orleans Saints as they get ready for Seattle. It's been a disappointing season to say the very, very least. Me personally, keep Jameis Winston off the field. Let's get him 100% healthy and keep playing Andy Dalton. As you heard in the two-minute drill, Alvin Kamara's coming back. Uh, don't know until tomorrow who, what the final injury report's going to be. Is Michael Thomas done? Is he out for the game or not? Um, you know, uh, got to get players back. But, but the Saints certainly, I'm telling you, if there was ever, I hate must win is a terrible word, terrible phrase, terrible cliche, but they got to get this win. They got to get this win. They can't go one and four. They can't. Uh, They got to get to two and three in a hurry. Uh, And and so they need to win this. We'll talk to Al Salas about that. And Frank Schwab will join us as well with um, his thoughts on week five of the NFL. Get his picks for it. We've got uh, Denver hosting Indianapolis tonight. Um, So that's a good one. We had Central Florida and SMU last night, the, the coach and the former offensive coordinator and the coach. Uh, Gus Malzahn wins it, so we've got that. Uh, we've got Major League Baseball. The playoffs begin in earnest tomorrow with the wild cards, um, and uh, the Astros get to sit this one out, as do the Yankees and the Braves and the Dodgers, but uh, for the Rays and the Guardians kick things off tomorrow at 11, the Phillies and the Cardinals at 1, the Mariners and the Blue Jays at 3, and the Mets and the Padres at 7. So uh, we begin. And remember, the wild cards are the best 2 out of 3. So I love Major League Baseball. Aaron Juggs didn't win the Triple Crown. He sat out the last game. So he gets the home run title. He gets the RBI title. And he came up just a couple of percentage points away from being the um, Triple Crown winner, which would have been spectacular. It's one of the greatest offensive seasons in some time uh and uh man pretty good pretty good Lionel Messi announces that the 2022 World Cup will be his last um Max Johnson has a broken bone in his hand according to sources uh he injured his left hand in last week's loss to Mississippi State so he's not gonna play uh so good luck Jimbo Fisher uh, as Haynes King is going to replace him, and of course Haynes King was sat down because he could, he was ineffective um, at the, as a starting quarterback, and now you got to go play against a somewhat ticked off uh, Nick Saban and Alabama, and that's never good. So look for Alabama to roll. We'll of course have all of our picks coming up on Friday with our fun filled Football Friday edition. Um, we are brought to you by. ShopRite tobacco plus discount outlets, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. So it's a great time of the year, man. We've got college football, high school football, NFL football, Major League Baseball playoffs. The NBA season's beginning. College basketball's about to get going. The NHL is in their preseason. It's great. It's great. All right. We'll take a timeout when we come back. We'll talk Saints. Seahawks with Al Salas of the Canal Street Chronicles, as we roll on on this gorgeous, gorgeous Chamber of Commerce Thursday, October sixth, the year twenty twenty two. This is the Jordy Helper Show. We're on the game one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and Astros in Southwest Louisiana. <laughs>
0: Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And hey, we welcome you back. Time to talk about the New Orleans Saints, and we bring in our writer for the Canal Street Chronicles and host of the NFL podcast, Final Drive. The one and only Mr. Al Salas joins us yet again. Al, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I am
3: doing
1: Good I'm doing terrific. Saints have lost three consecutive games after their season opening come from behind win. They lead the NFL in giveaways. They've committed the second most penalties besides that and the injuries. Who's to blame for this start?
5: Well, obviously. Why? What's the value? The footballer never a great necessity for anything. For the team, I don't really care about how many their roster how many superstars you may have. Uh, I'm of football at the the day. Will rule anything change the way a lot of the we play on the quarterback play and the coaching. I think the play calling, uh, I don't know Bruce McConaughey was that last week that he thought the play calling was, you know, okay to the Panthers, and that wasn't the reason why the softman and team ultimately lost in the Panthers. Uh, he saw much better, uh, games like an approach to the Vikings. So I think at the end of the day, penalty, it's sloppy football like that goes on the coaching, you know. Things in the training camp, the all-season, the OTAs, that's where you learn how to play complete, smart football. Right now, the team has not been doing this, so I'm kind of leaning more towards coaching uh, than the players I'm executing at
1: this moment. Al, if you could kind of adjust somewhere. It's coming in a little bit garbled. I-, I-, I want everybody to be able to hear you legitimately and loudly and clearly. So if there's a possibility to do that, man, that would be Awesome as we continue talking about the New Orleans Saints who are at home this Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks for a noon kickoff. They're favored by five and a half on this. You basically talked about um, the coaching staff a little bit. How how would you evaluate the job that Dennis Allen and his staff have done so far?
5: It was a great question, Jody. And I think uh, (laughs) I'm in a better space coming in clear. But uh, I think, you know, it's tough to say through these first, you know, five weeks of the NFL season. He's still young. Uh, for Dennis Allen, this is a guy who hasn't coached since, uh, his days with the Raiders. Uh, maybe just lost more mind right now to try and be the guy instead of focusing on one side of football, which I think that's fair to assume. So, uh, I guess right now it's probably at a C, C minus. If I had to get a letter grade for just undisciplined yeah. football, uh, Sloppy play on the offensive side of the ball, and multiple was on that coast to try and get that figured out, uh, yeah. whether it's Yossi or not. But they haven't figured it out yet, so right now I would give it a C minus. Uh, yeah, you're,
1: you're very kind. I wish I had you as a teacher in school. I'm giving them a D <laughs> at the best um, penalties, turnovers. These aren't first year players making the mistakes, these are the same players who played for Sean Payton. This is directly pointed to the coaching staff, whether it's a lack of discipline, not not riding them hard enough, whatever it may be. I, 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 yeah, I think that falls solely on um, on the coaches. Let me ask you this. Um, we know the Saints don't want this, but should there be a quarterback controversy on this team?
5: <laughs> I mean, anybody, I thought that was a serviceable mm-hmm. job in London. He took with the defense gave and he took some shots down the field. got a mixture of guys involved here, despite you no know, Apple Kamara, no Michael Thomas. Um, and really in the fourth quarter, is a much more balanced play calling, because I think they yeah. mentioned it in the game where the Saints can only run two uh, runs in the first four games, <laughs> before that like, new game. Much more balanced. It helps out Andy Dalton a lot. I would say controversy more of the fact that I think for right now, Andy Dalton should be the guy for this teams until James is healthy. Right, Because you saw Jameis like force, force himself to play those first couple of weeks, and it was so strong, but the injuries, he was making bad decisions. So i us.
1: Yeah. Um, to me, Jameis has to be 100% healthy, however long that takes, until Andy Dalton proves that he can't do anything. If he's not moving the ball against uh, Seattle, uh, and and Jameis is ninety five percent. Then put Jameis in. You, you got to win a game. You know, whatever it takes. You got to win a game. But I think it's Dalton's job uh, for the couple uh, for a few weeks ahead, depending upon how he does. But man, man, um, Al Salas with us. Um, who's been the most pleasant? Let's get away from the negative. Who's been the most pleasant surprise for you so far for the Saints this season?
5: Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to pick a player that I think had a lot of heat coming on in the offseason, and that being a right guard, Cesar Ruiz. I think he's a guy who uh, okay. you saw Zach Street to win this bunch of staff in the offseason. You saw them bring in Jari Evans to be a coaching intern for this team. But I think having those two guys who have been in the NFL for a long time, played at a high level, played for you know arguably one of the best in the game, and Drew Brees, you're seeing that rub off on Cesar Ruiz, and I've been pleasantly surprised. I thought the Vikings game was one of his yeah. best games he's put on tape. Um, and, you know, for a guy who got a lot of heat his the first two years in the NFL, he's found uh, he's some of the critics for this first couple of weeks of the season and throughout training camp uh, as
1: well. Good point. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that pick. If I had told you before the season that uh, the Saints would start, uh, you know, one and three, and their best players, their MVPs to date would be Chris Olave on offense and Pete Werner on defense, the, the former Buckeyes. What kind of odds would you have given me for that?
5: <laughs> well knowing how uh knowing how much the team loves at that's it's pretty high is it not
3: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, I mean that's uh they they've been the best players week in week out, all season long to date uh so we'll see al Salas joining us um as we talk about the New Orleans Saints uh, to turn things around what's the most important thing that needs to happen to this club?
5: I think it'll start Sunday at home against the Seahawks, Shorty. I think this is a team you can beat on the road um, and do not underestimate Geno Smith, which I believe these players have to an extent. I think uh, yeah. with Geno, he's come in and played at an extremely high level. And I don't think teams really took the Seahawks seriously, but just seeing a team that's putting up points left and right uh, and just do not take the Seahawks lightly despite no Russell Wilson, them no by Wagner, they're still... Two and two, very much aligned in the NFC West race, and it starts by taking care of business at home against uh, a team that you should beat. Uh, on paper, this is a much better, mm-hmm. uh, better roster, better players. Uh, coaching might be a wash, but nonetheless, you should handle business uh, and kind of get back on the right track starting at home on Sunday.
1: Yeah, one and three seems a little manageable to me. You get to one and four before they get to the rough part of the schedule, and man, this could be a really long season. With that in mind, I thought the Saints would win um, 11 games this year. I'm, I'm taking that back now. Um, what's your prediction for the rest of the season with a final record for this club?
5: It's a great question. I think the feeling of this team initially, I thought going into the end of the year, everybody was healthy, and... Uh, every was playing as they should, They Like, so, it like, just seem to be a 13, 12 win uh, team and you know, maybe keep contending for the N- NFC South title. I think now, uh, with the way Tampa struggled, and we know land Atlanta and Carolina are, they're still very much in the South race, I believe. However, I think the ceiling of this team now, with the rough start they've had, is probably 11, 10 wins. So, while well, I our team at most.
1: They'd have to uh, they'd have to crank it up and get this offense going. Are you concerned about Michael Thomas? I mean, he can't stay out of the uh, he can't stay out of the tub.
5: Yeah, it's unfortunate because it's just unfortunate because Mike's such a good guy. He's all about the team. And you know, you saw him really kind of put what had happened in the last two years behind him and move forward. You know, with uh, the Saints, and it was also a great start in that Falcons game. And then you had some real nice plays against the Buccaneers. it's unfortunate, it's frustrating, and I know it, it, Michael Thomas might be the biggest competitor I know of. Um, and that's the guy who I know is going to want to bounce back and help this team out whenever he can. just the unfortunate question is when will that happen? And for right now, we don't know. Because then Fallon is kind of pulling a Sean Payton and that he's giving us no real <laughs> updates on injuries. So we yeah. kind of just don't know where that sits, But it's frustrating for sure. But I know when he's ready, Mike will, you know,
1: He'll do what he does. One last. I know you got to get busy and go do some things. Um, I, I, I appreciate your time. I got a funny feeling uh, he's back, and I think I think Alvin Kamara is ready to uh, turn it loose. And I, and I think with Andy Dalton, if he starts at quarterback, I think Dalton will find a way. He's pretty smart. Not saying that Jameis isn't, but I, I kind of have a feeling he's going to get the ball to Alvin Kamara, and Kamara's going to have his best game to date because he hadn't done much yet.
5: Right. And I do think, you know, uh, at home with that environment, this could be like a prime primal tomorrow game. And I mentioned it on the Canals, Prime prime goal prediction going into this week. I think tomorrow's going to have over 150 all-purpose total yards and yes. three touchdowns. I think he's a guy who, uh, he's the focal point. Now with Michael Thomas out, you know, we love to still out of the lobby, but you don't put that much pressure on our rookie wide receiver who's starting. So Go back to what you do best, the check downs with Kamara, the swing passes, and get the screen game involved. And, you know, get him on outside handoffs and come on, let Kamara do what he does best. And um, as much as, like, the ground to pound with Ingram and Murray last week, as great as that was, um, time to get back to what we do best. And that's beat number
1: 41. And I got the other feeling. I mean, Kamara gets the crowd going. You know who else gets the crowd going? Is Taysom Hill. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what his injury status is. He's been hurt with the rib thing. Uh, if he's good to go, man, we got to get him. The we got to get him more touches as well. In my humble opinion.
5: Well, no, that's totally fair point. And I think you know with Taysom, uh, it all comes down to you know, if Jameis is healthy enough to just suit up and you know, wear a helmet, wear the clipboard, you know, run the headset. Then I think you're allowed to have Taysom more involved in the offense. So obviously with, you know, the ones that injure him not dressing out, Taysom's the only the quarterback on the option. You just don't want to run right. that risk uh right. him getting mixed up because <laughs> you look like the Giants last year for the Giants at like Saquon Barkley if they could stab the end of the game at quarterback. But yes, story hundred percent more Taysom is just what this offense needs, I think.
3: Al
1: Salas, Canal Street Chronicles. I can't thank you enough. I know you got uh, some other things you got to get to, so I greatly appreciate your time. Boy, the Saints need this one. You know, I hate the word must win. I I really do, but it's must win time for New Orleans. So thank you, my friend.
5: Hey, always here for George, one hundred percent. Appreciate the time. And you're right. This this game feels like a must win for this team. All
4: right, Al Salas, Canal Street Chronicles, James. Start week five of the NFL off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay does not hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a better chance at a bigger payout. A parlay that I made is having a Michael Pittman anytime touchdown, taking the over on Russell Wilson's passing yards, and then the Broncos' money line. Build your own or choose from one of our popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you already have one with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable. drawable free bets that expires seven days after the receipt. Max free bet, $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP.
1: Thank you, James. The game wants you to face your worst nightmares by hooking you up with tickets to one of the top haunted attractions in the country, the 13th Gate. Just text the word gate to 337-283-8100 to enter to win a pair of general admission passes. That's gate to 337-283-8100. Get your scare on this Halloween season at the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game, 1037 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. The Schwab from Yahoo Sports, Frank Schwab, will give us his Week 5 NFL predictions when we return to the Jordy Hulpert Show here on the Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the playoff-bound Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana
0: a recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work well, thank you everyone for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss take back productivity in the workplace this is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And welcome back. It is week five of the NFL season that approaches us tonight and throughout the weekend. Only one team remains unblemished. That's Fly Eagles Fly out of Philadelphia with a perfect four and zero mark. Has a couple of three and one teams and a lot of parody, a lot of two and twos out there. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports joins us. Um, Frank, thank, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing, my friend?
6: Doing well, doing well. How are you?
1: Good. Uh, here we are, almost to the quarter poll. What's your impressions of the NFL to date?
6: I mean, exactly something you just touched on, that the fact that we have one team that's either winless or undefeated. One. We're yeah. <laughs> four weeks into the season, and everybody has at least one loss or one tie. I mean, when I do these, you know, the power rankings or whatever, and I'm trying to figure this all out, you realize that, you know, it's, it's, everybody's 500 basically. I mean, there's like a few teams, you know, the one and three, three and one, but everybody's kind of the same. Everybody's still figuring this thing out. I don't think we've, you know, even the Eagles, the, the one team with a zero somewhere, well, I guess the Texans do two at oh, three and one, but um, the Eagles, the one winless or undefeated team. Even, uh, is everybody convinced the Eagles are a top three team? I don't think everybody is. I like them a lot, but mm-hmm. so I think that. We haven't figured out a whole lot in this first month, really. I think that, that a lot of teams are still figuring out what they want. I mean, look at tonight's game. I mean, the Broncos are 2-2. Two and two. Everybody is is upset about the coach and the offense and the, even the quarterback. There's some grumblings about that. Whatever. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're game out of first place. There's right. 13 games left in their season. <laughs> uh, so I, I just it really kind of one of the themes to me this season is that you know, I, very in very rare uh, exceptions, we haven't figured anything out yet.
1: I'm with you. Uh, let's go through your power rankings. Who's the I guess because they're undefeated. The Eagles are your number one team as of right here, right now.
6: No, I have the Bills. I've never I've never wavered on that. Uh, you okay. know that they lost the game at, at in Miami. In that game, they outgained their opponent four ninety seven to two twenty. <laughs> they, yeah. they were really they weren't that bad in that game. It's a two point loss on the road. I try not to overreact because I realize that unless you're the seventy two Dolphins, you're going to lose a game. It's going right. to happen to lose by two points in sweltering heat. Uh, it didn't really knock the Bills down for me at all. I think they're still the best team in football, and they kind of proved it last week. You know, they go down uh, twenty to three to the Baltimore Ravens early. And they just fight their way back and somehow yeah. some way find a way to win that game. I thought that was really impressive i i, I focus on the comeback more than them falling behind twenty yeah. to three early because it was raining. It's you know you just played a really, really tough game in the Miami heat. Now you're trailing but you' you're down by seventeen points and you find a way to win. That was really impressive to me for yeah. the Buffalo Bills.
1: all right. well, let's get to week five. You talked about the the Broncos. They're a three point home favorite with an over under of forty two hosting the disappointing uh Indianapolis Colts and Jonathan Taylor's not going to play so Matt Ryan's going to be have more pressure on him than ever before um Denver wins this one don't they I think so
6: I mean I, I don't know that I trust them necessarily but I trust the Colts less than <laughs> I trust the yeah. Broncos I think that you know the injuries are the, the key story of this game I think with uh, you know I mean Jonathan Taylor's out for the Colts. Also, Shaquille Leonard, one of the best linebackers in football, he's out too. Two, I mean, not just two of the Colts' best players, two of the best players in the league. Period. Yeah. On the Broncos' side, no Javante Williams, a really, really good young running back. No Randy Gregory, who's been a huge addition for them in their pass rush. So, I, I don't really love either team here, to be honest. But it's it's one of those you gotta you gotta pick which team you kind of trust the most. I guess with the Broncos because man, the Colts just don't. That's one team that. You know, I try, I'm trying not to overreact and think that oh, this team is d- exactly this because it's early. Like I said, early in the season, we haven't figured a whole lot out yet. The Colts mm-hmm. are one of those teams where I'm like, wow, the, the Colts might be bad. The Colts might be way, way worse than I thought they were. I, I came into the season having high hopes for the Colts. Thought they were going to win that division easily. Thought that with their schedule, maybe they even make a run for the top seed in the AFC. Well, you know, other teams beat each other up. Now I'm like, I don't even think this is a playoff team. It is a re- really, really bad start for the Colts, not just because they've lost some games, but just the way they've lost them, it has not been pretty for them at all.
1: This is Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. They may not be winning a lot, but they're the most entertaining team out there offensively. That's the Detroit Lions. They bring their high-scoring offense to New England as a three-point road underdog in Foxborough. Um, Lions are fun. They don't win, but they're fun.
6: <laughs> they sure are, aren't they? I mean, yes. look, I didn't expect this to happen. I, I thought the Lions' defense would be mediocre at least. They're bad. They're really, really bad. And I mean, everybody's kind of singing the praises of Geno Smith this week, and he has been good. But I just wonder—is it just because he was facing the Lions? I mean, yeah. pretty much. Uh, yeah, I mean, but but what happens this week when they go against an offense that stinks? I, I mean, that Patriots offense is bad. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know that Bray Bra- uh, and i was going to even mispronounce his name, Bailey Zappi is the guy who's going to torch them for 400 yards. Like I, I don't think that that's going to happen. So I don't know. I-, I-, I at least know the Lions can move the ball, I guess. So uh, I'll pick them. But, uh, yeah, the Lions are just one of those teams where, boy, they, they're in danger of their season getting away from them a lot earlier than they thought just because this defense is just going to be kind of an issue all year.
1: I'm with you. Uh, Miami it travels to Gotham to take on the New York Jets. The Jets are a three-point home underdog in this one. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater will start for the injured Tua. Um, Jets have played better lately. Zach Wilson did some good things at Pittsburgh. Can the Jets uh, keep their faithful uh, alive? Still,
6: I, I just here's the thing. I think when when a team has his backup quarterback going. We all write him off. But what really happens often is that team rallies around the quarterback. They all yeah. realize, hey, yeah. we got to play hard. We got to play well because we got a backup in there now. We have to support him a little bit more. And I think that's what happens here. Teddy Bridgewater is not your normal backup. This is a guy who no. has started a lot of games in the NFL. Is he that much of a downgrade from Tua? I mean, that's not trying to, to kind of just take a shot at Tua or anything, but I look at Teddy Bridgewater as being. Uh, You know, obviously not to his level, but not that far below either. So I don't think the Dolphins lose much. They're still the same team that started off 3-0. You know, they were in that game. I I actually, I'll I'll say this. Dolphins started off 3-0, I was a little skeptical. They lose in Week 4, and I actually feel better about them after Week 4 in the loss, because they fought so hard in that game. Everything was against them last Thursday night. We talked about it. It was They're on the road Uh, after a tough game against the Bills in the Heat. Teddy, Tua goes down in the first half, and still they had a good chance to win late in the game. They're down in Cincinnati territory when there's a miscommunication, Teddy throws the interception. I came out of that game and said the Dolphins are good. Like, if they can mm-hmm. almost beat a Bengals team on Thursday night in Cincinnati with all that going against them, I'm convinced the Dolphins are a pretty good football team. So I know Dolphins, I don't think they necessarily roll here, but I do think they win, and I think they win fairly comfortably. I, I, I just, I have tried trust in his Dolphins team. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to just find a quarterback.
1: Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. All right, um, a big game for first place in the division. Hard to even imagine saying that. But the Atlanta Falcons have played Ooh. better than people have expected. They're on the road. They're going to Tampa Bay. The Bucs are favored by eight and a half. I, I, I listen to you, and you always tell me, man, that's a lot of points in the NFL. The Bucs haven't played that well. Is this when the Bucs... Uh, get right uh, against the Falcons?
6: I I mean, it sure could happen. And the one thing I worry about is how are the Falcons going to score? I mean, they don't want to pass the ball. They don't have Cordero Patterson, who... I mean, I didn't think I'd be saying this year and a half ago, but he's been a huge part of their offense. He
3: really uh, has.
6: So I do worry about that, and I don't really like everybody's like, oh, the Bucks defense was exposed by the, you know what? It's Patrick Mahomes. He's going to do that to a lot of teams. I, right. I still think the Bucks defense is really, really good. I don't worry about them. So I do worry that the Falcons are going to be able to score. But yeah, nine points is a lot, especially with this Bucks team. That it just looks like one of those seasons where everything's going to come hard for them. Everything's going to be a challenge. Everything's just going to be a little off. Uh, I mean, I, I just, I, I, again, could the Buccaneers win this game 13-zip and, and you know, we're talking about, you know, I'm <laughs> covering nine points in kind of an ugly way. Yeah, that could happen. Right. But I got to take the points. I got to, I got, it is too many points. I think the Falcons have played much, much better than I thought. I thought this might Me be the worst team in the NFL. We talked about yeah. that before the season, and yeah. they haven't been that. They've been done a lot better than I thought. I think Arthur Smith's. Arthur Smith is doing a good job with what he has. I don't love the fact that he refuses to basically get Kyle Pitts involved or anything like that, but hey, the results are there. Falcons are 2 and 2 with two close losses too. They could easily be 3 and 1, maybe even 4 and 0 oh with a couple, uh, you know, things wow. go with uh, in their favor. It's pretty impressive, and I'll, I'll ride. I'll ride with the Falcons again.
1: Okay, uh, Falcons in the points on that one. Um, what do the Giants do against Green Bay and London? Daniel Jones is injured. Tyride Taylor is injured. Do they dare run? Sa- can, can Saquon Barkley throw the ball? Because he's the, he might be their best <laughs> option in the Wildcat. What do they do? They
6: might need that. Uh, they might need that. I, I guess Daniel Jones has been back at practice, which they needed. I mean, they but. Uh, a big part of his game is running the ball he's a, he's a mobile guy he likes to scramble yeah. he likes to add some value with his legs is he going to be able to do that uh in you know, on a uh, on a gimpy ankle i don't know uh, so that that's a worry obviously this giants team is is not as good as their record i think we all know all right. that so that worries me but I, i'm going to say this a lot today when we're talking these games it's too many points it's yep. the packers have failed to put away anybody this year they they were playing, you know Bailey Zappi last week at home, and it was like there's time rough. in the fourth quarter where you're like, Patriots going to win this game? They can't yeah. put them away. I just don't think the Packers are that team this year. They're going to win a lot of games close. Uh, defense running the ball, all that. I just don't think they're good. And London adds to the whole wonkiness of this game. We know that right. it's just hard to. It's hard. Your body clock. You're playing it. 8:30 30 a.m. central time and uh, yep. so i'm going to take the giants on the points just kind of expecting a lower scoring uh, ugly-ish kind of game okay. all
1: right speaking of points um it's a tough way for the steelers rookie quarterback kenny pickett to make his debut in buffalo yeah. the bills are favored by two touchdowns in this one that's a lot that's a lot a lot of points
6: that's Jordy, it's a lot of points, and again, when you get a new quarterback, usually I, I, I follow this for injury, but I think this fits here, too. When a new quarterback goes in there, you rally around him, you play hard, yeah. you play better, and you could tell from the quotes coming out of Pittsburgh recently that they were kind of fed up with Trubisky. They were frustrated. The offense, he was just, he just wasn't the guy. He was checking it down too much, wasn't getting the playmakers the ball. Kenny Pickett comes in. He looked comfortable. Like, he, yeah, he made some rookie mistakes, but he's also a rookie being thrown in the halftime of a game. Uh, and I thought that he at least didn't look like the moment was too big for him. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers play really hard in this game, and I think they find some way somehow to keep it close. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's no danger, and you look up at you know, late first quarter and you're down 24-zip to the Bills. They can turn out your lights like that. There's no doubt about it. But 14, I got to take the Steelers (laughs) there. I I think that they play really, really hard for this rookie quarterback because I think they've been waiting for him to get a shot.
3: He
1: is. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. I got to talk about uh, the New Orleans Saints. Um, My gosh. Uh, You talk about a team that that I thought was going to be a lot better than they are, uh, they just keep beating themselves. They're injured. They, they just aren't playing well, but they're back home and they take on the Seattle Seahawks, um, who are playing their second consecutive road game. That's a challenge, right? Saints are playing yep. come, coming back from London. That's not easy either. Uh, they do get Alvin Kamara back, um, saints favored by five and a half in the Superdome. What do you
6: think? Uh, I think the Saints win, but I can't lay those points. I just can't do it, Jordy. I, like you said, your your Saints just aren't playing that well. It doesn't, you know. I mean, last week uh, I, I I took the took the Vikings, liked them minus two and a half. And mm-hmm. then it because I was like, "Oh, Jameis is gonna be Jameis," and you know he's kind of regressing to back what he was. And then when I heard Dalton was gonna play, I'm like, uh "Oh, we might be, in, yep. I might be in trouble right here," because Andy Dalton will keep you in a game. He's not gonna throw you out of a game. And I thought he played pretty well. And yep, I think Jameis this week. I think it's the same old problems of uh, I think he might turn it over too much. And I don't know what got into the Seahawks offense, and I don't know what got into Geno Smith. And yeah, they did just play the Lions last week, and that's kind of a walkthrough almost. But they're playing well. They're moving the ball. I just oh no, I just think that there's too many points. I think that... The Saints still need to have that performance where you're like, okay, there they are, because you know, week one they should have lost to the Falcons. I mean, yes. they, they made the plays. I shouldn't say they should have lost. They they were in danger of losing to the Falcons and, in week one, and, and and since then it has not been pretty whatsoever for them. So, yeah, yeah I got to take the Seahawks on the points here. I just don't trust the Saints right now.
1: All right, um, a very important game for the Washington Commanders. They've lost three straight season. Might be slipping away from them. The Titans are coming into town. They're coming off a road division victory against the Colts. um Can the Commanders, as a two and a half point home underdog, right the ship and beat the Titans? I don't think
6: so. I think Washington's really, really bad. I mean, I don't know. They somehow beat the Jaguars week one, which is is probably going to age pretty well. It's a good win, but man, uh, yeah, it's. It's it's not good for the commanders now. And I look Mike Vrabel, like I kept saying, like I think the Titans stink, but Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. So if anybody yeah. and it seems like he has figured some things out and and they're playing a lot better. And Dirk Henry looks a little rejuvenated. It was a big, big win for them in Indianapolis last week. So yeah, I'm gonna I'll take the Titans. I just do not okay. think the Commanders are any good. I just think they're a bad football team right now. Gotcha.
1: Uh the 49ers, very impressive on Monday night. That defense, four games, they've only allowed like forty one <laughs> points They are some kind of good, but they've got to travel on a short week from West coast all the way to East coast against the Carolina Panthers, 49ers favored by six and a half. Is this a letdown after the big win over the Rams or do they take that defense is just too good for Carolina?
6: I think the defense is just too good. And like you said, long road trip, you know, the playing on Monday nights, there's one less day of rest, all that kind of stuff. But I watch the way Baker Mayfield's playing and I I have no idea how the Panthers are gonna move the ball. I, I just if the 49ers can choke out the Rams like they did, what are yeah. they gonna do to the Panthers? I mean yeah. that defense is Good. It is the best in football right now. No doubt. Uh, they are they're flying around. They never seem to miss a tackle. They get after you. Get after the quarterback. I mean, ask Matthew Stafford. He had guidance lap just about every play. It's seen. They're really creative. D'Amico Ryan's is going to be a guy who has a head coaching job next year. Uh, I, I really like this 49ers team. Now they're not going to score a ton. So laying six and a half on the road is a little difficult, but I can't lie to you there. It's a little tough, but I just look at the, I can't take the Panthers because I have no idea how they're going to move the ball in this game.
1: Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports joining us. Eagles undefeated, riding high, going to Arizona as a five-point road favorite. Arizona got right in the second half against the Panthers. Um, what do you think? Eagles win it?
6: Think so, but this game, uh, of all the games on the schedule, maybe all the games so far this season, this is the one where I'm just like, I just got a feeling. I, I just got a feeling Arizona somehow, some way, at least keeps it close.
3: Okay. It's almost
6: like it's, it's going too well for the Eagles. Eagles aren't going undefeated, nobody does. So they're going, I mean, riding really, really high going into this Arizona team that I don't know that it's that great, but like you said, they did, at least got some things going last week, ran Kyler Murray a little bit more, which they need to do. They're home. It's a big spread. I don't know, man. I I wish I could give you a better answer than just as uh, a gut feeling, but my gut feeling is just somehow, some way, Arizona makes this game at least close, and because uh, nothing else is going to tell it. The Eagles are a better team by far in this game, but leg five and a half in this spot. I just I can't do it. I think I think Arizona maybe even finds a way to win this game somehow. As okay. crazy as that sounds.
1: Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys head out to L.A. to take on the Rams. Rams are four and a half point favorites. Is is Cooper Rush going to be the quarterback? And is there a controversy brewing in Dallas? No, come on, yeah.
3: right?
6: No, not no controversy. But he's good. I mean, he like I was watching Dallas versus Washington last week, and I'm like. Cooper Rush is better than Carson Wentz. He's, he just yes. is. Like I'd rather yes. have him than Carson Wentz at his twenty two million dollar salary this year. Uh you know, so I think that he's good enough and I, the defense is really good too. And the Rams are just kind of broken right now in offense. They all they have is Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup is unbelievable. He's yep. a phenomenal football player. But what else is there? Ellen Robinson just has not shown up this season, and yeah. now it's really yeah. scary. Like I mean, he might just be done. They have no other deep threat. They're not getting anything downfield nothing downfield in the passing game this year. Matthew Stafford's become just kind of this checkdown guy. You wonder if his elbow is an issue. Right. I mean, we haven't right. heard a lot about it since August, but he ain't throwing yeah. downfield at all. Maybe it's a problem. Their offensive line is really bad. Dallas Cowboys can pass rush you now, and Dallas Cowboys pass rush is really really good. I think the Cowboys win. I, I just I know they're underdogs here, but okay. wh- why would I not take the Cowboys here? I think the Cowboys—they've proven a lot these last three weeks. I, we all wrote them off, me included. I I thought they were done. I thought we'd be talking about an 0-4 Cowboys team about ready to go 5 and they played really good football the last three weeks. Their playmakers have shown up. Rush has done enough. I, I like that. I think like the Cowboys to win. I do. I think that yep. this is my favorite game on the board because I just don't okay. right now. Just the matchup is bad, and the Rams. There's a lot of issues with their offense, and McVay's a great yep. coach. But if you if, if you have no options, I, I mean, he doesn't have a lot to work. Who's the deep threat right. on the Rams right now? If it's not Allen Robinson, they Tyler Higby. You know, catching three yards of pass is the only other guy other than Cooper Cup that isn't going to work very long. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't like what I'm seeing out of the Rams. I'll take the Cowboys.
1: Last one. Cincinnati has uh, straightened out their season. They've won two in a row because their offense has started to play better. They're about uh, they're in Baltimore as a three point road underdog. In about twenty seconds, who do you like and why? Uh,
6: the the we're talking about Ravens. I missed you there. Yes. Sorry. Yep, Raven. I'll, I'll take the. I'm going to take the Bengals. I think it's going to be three point. I think the Ravens win by three. So that's that's a cop out. <laughs> I'll say the oddsmakers did their job here. Ravens win by three. <laughs>
1: He is Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. You're the best. Thank you so much. Enjoy week five, my friend. Will do. I appreciate it. All right. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back with more as we wrap things up on this Thursday edition of the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles.
0: We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us?
3: <laughs> yep. yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Back to more of the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back. Finishing touches to this Thursday edition of the Geordie Helper Show. Time for you to warm up your dancing legs for the official run and duathlon of Festival Acadian at Creole. Race through Lafayette's historic district and end up at Girard Park for Festival Acadian and Creole on Sunday, October 16th. Compete in the 5K or 10K or run paddle run in the duathlon. Taking part in the event helps support local parks, community projects, and the festival that you love. Volunteer or register at latrail, T-R-A-I-L, dot org. That's LATrail.org. Special thanks to our guest today, Michael Hugen and On3.com, with all his thoughts about this week's college football agenda. Al Salas on the Saints versus the Seahawks and Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports with his week five NFL picks. Tomorrow, oh, it'll be a fun-filled football Friday as we lead up to this, what's really become a huge, huge matchup in a sold-out Tiger Stadium for that 11 a.m. kickoff between the Volunteers and the LSU Tigers. It's the offense of Tennessee, the defense of LSU, but LSU's offense has to make things happen, and um, that means Jaden Daniels has to play very, very well. And maybe that uh, quarterback receivers uh, private meeting will pay dividends. That's certainly the hope. Um, LSU's offense is going to have to keep the ball to keep Tennessee's deep offense on the sideline. And so we'll preview all of that. Um, we'll get Larry Holder of the Athletic on. We'll talk about the Saints and the NFL. Um, George Faust from KLFY will join us for another edition of Friday with Faust. Uh, no no Raging Cajun game till Wednesday when they travel to Marshall. So we'll focus on a lot of the high school football games as district play is really underway uh, now. And then, of course, the always fun, highly anticipated um picks from james mesh george becknell and i and also adam spencer from saturday down south will join us and we'll get his thoughts about the games in the sec of course everybody's focusing you know lsu tennessee is the best game no doubt and then people are going to talk about the the jimbo fisher nick saban a&m at alabama Yeah, it, it really really doesn't matter bama's gonna cru- just cruise uh in that one. Uh the Game Clubhouse at 1037theGame.com or 1041TheGame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takehouse at Cypress Bayou, or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. The regular season of baseball ended on Wednesday. The playoffs, the wild cards begin on Friday. Um, Boy, there'll be games going on while we're on the air. It's going to be fun. We got college football. The Pels get back in action at Detroit on Friday night. I mean, it's everything. Hockey started if you're a hockey fan. Everything's kind of joining together at once. And it is really, really a fun, fun time. So um buckle up and be ready to roll because it's going to be quite a show on Friday. James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it's the radio, the internet, or the television, we're here, there, and everywhere. And of course, our partners, thank you. We could not possibly do it without you so come on back tomorrow same time two to four same great stations 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles until then I'm Jordy Helper enjoy the rest of your day all right stay thirsty my friends. just be careful stay healthy let's be kind to one another and be happy have a great rest of your Thursday see you tomorrow so long everybody